they looked at mother and baby singing sessions and they could detect and what's so lovely is it's quantifiable which is nice because the scientific community like that we, we like, like emp- empirical yeah we like empirical mm. measurements <laughs> Hello friends and thank you for joining me for the Way Forward podcast brought to you by me, Fliss Goldsmith and Co-Design Coaching, where we create your optimal life together. This week I am joyous to be joined by musician, vocalist and all-round wondrous woman Sarah Dale, who will be telling us more about how our own voice really is our superpower. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, my darling. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now to say that Sarah is an accomplished musician is like saying the sun is a bit warm. Sarah is a vocalist and she plays cello, bass guitar, classical guitar and soprano ukulele. She's toured across the globe and even played a residency at Dollywood, meeting the luminescent Dolly Parton herself. And yes, I am more than a teensy bit jealous. Sarah now resides in Derbyshire with her husband and her son, and she's currently studying voice pedagogy at the University of Wales, Trinity St David. She writes and records with indie bands, tutors vocals, and she's got a passion for original music. So Sarah, you're here to talk to us about how our voice can be used to improve our mental and emotional health and well-being. Now, I'm sure that I'm not alone in being really interested to learn more about my own voice. It's something that we probably take for granted, but tell us more about this amazing asset. So um, I think what we all love about the voice is it's it's freely available for most of us. It's um, cost-free it's accessible and um there's uh thinking that your your that singing was um was around prior to speech in fact what we did before modern day speech was um to connect as human beings and to communicate was to sing alongside drumming alongside dance and that was our way of um connecting with each other and we're talking about tens of thousands of years ago so if you imagine maybe um some of the current ideas that scientists have is that we sounded like chimps or if you think of um what's known as motheries or infant directed speech those sounds we make those primal Mm. sounds like wailing and sighing and laughing and howling and those kind of grunts and actually arguably i think most mornings i still have uh, resorted to Oh, oh yeah, those, yeah. I don't speak before sort of eight a.m. I just make noise. And, yeah. Do any of us? <laughs> tell me who these people I know, are. I just I feel so much kinder if I have coffee. Mm, and maybe yeah. just a minute, but um, not always available to us. And uh, yeah, so so singing is um, to me quite uh, fundamental and primal. It's it's our it's our whole blueprint as as humans. But um, and in that, if you think about it, silence for a lot of silence for a lot of social mammals is perceived as a threat. Okay, as that's something. And if you and, and if you look at nature, so uh, the way we communicate is um, is a uh, uh, part of 
um, expressing who we are, expressing our intent, it's expressing our identity, mm-hmm. and then it's about connecting human beings and creating economy and evolving and expanding. And that's just, if you like, that's the kind of evolution of, of um, thought around, and I'm not putting it wonderfully well, but that's in a nutshell. So your singing voice has been with you for uh, ever since you were born. You sing as soon as you come out of the womb, arguably. You're crying, you're wailing. Yeah. And you recognise sound in utero. You recognise music in utero in that last trimester. There are studies that show that you can recognise songs that are played to you. And not necessarily, interestingly, be concerned about the voice that's delivering the song. Mm. Um, which is kind of slightly controversial because we always assume that it's the parent's Mm, voice that we want to connect with. But actually, there are studies that show it's the song, the repetition of whatever that song is, is remembered and known. And um, so even as babies, we're using sound and making sound. Sometimes you'll see, I've seen it before and I've done it with my nephew. I've been able to sing to him when he was about three or four months old. And he sang back and um, was ironically singing Tomorrow from Annie, which was kind of child-friendly. There was a bit of irony in there, but but it was remarkable. If I sang it at a certain pitch, there were tones that he would repeat back to me Mm. as a baby. And you can see those exchanges on the internet. Um, And it's a known phenomena. So, yes, music is um, singing is a really healthy whole brain activity i think it's incredible that there is so much depth to to the voice and that we maybe just think about speech when we think about the voice but it's all to do with those sounds and the resonance and the connections that we make with those sounds and i know from prior conversations that we've had that you've explained to me how our voice really does have the power to influence our own mental health yeah so for for everybody listening can we dig into that a little bit more yeah so um when you sing you um you release uh positive um helpful hormones so it is true singing the activity of singing and not just singing actually listening to music so if you feel like you can't use your voice or you feel like singing isn't something that's necessarily available to you for for many reasons it might be that you are your your mental health is failing you and actually when you sing and i've had this with clients that actually they're just crying Mm. but listening to music has the same effect um it can release dopamine which we love those little that's little buzz that we like in life and that's from listening to upbeat music for example or from singing Mm -hmm. and um and it also can reduce your um stress hormone your cortisol level so there's been um and again there's I'm not a scientist, but I just I access um, a university library. <laughs> I've got access, so I read studies. I read studies about things I'm interested interested in, and I also go down a lot of rabbit holes that are usually <laughs> not very relevant. So often, I just have very useless, random information. We love and, uh, that, but we don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> don't we all love that? Per- yeah. yeah, no, um, but yeah, so. Uh, some one of the studies I really loved, and I think this is relevant 
for mental health and especially if you're a new mother and not just a new mother a new father mm. equally a new parent um the the kind of the challenges that face a new parent can be quite overwhelming because it can be can be quite an intense experience for some people absolutely so um there were some studies conducted uh and they looked at how to reduce postnatal depression and, and what are the tools you could use mm. um, that would be available. And this is alongside whatever works for you because I'm, I'm big in this. It's not just, um, there's not just one tool. Often there's many and you have to work out which ones work right for, you. for you. And uh, they looked at mother and baby scene sessions and they could detect and what's so lovely is it's quantifiable which is nice because the scientific community like that we like, like a bit em- of empirical and yeah, we like empirical mm. measurements mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they uh, they discovered that the cortisol that stress hormone diminished significantly for those new mothers um, wow. in that baby class after 30 minutes 30 minutes of singing with a baby, you're not talking about professional singers. Mm. You're talking about people that want to unite and communicate with other parents. And yes, this was just mothers, but I think this would apply to uh, any adult personally. Mm-hmm. And there's always the argument, is it that you are doing an activity with your baby that's kind of regulating you? Is it that you're around other people? And and those are always the questions that are followed up on mm. or uh, posed. But um, I love the idea that actually singing has these quantifiable chemical transactions in your body that scientists can affirm you will feel better it is true you will feel less stress i think also just anecdotally and just personally it's a bit of respite from the world isn't it yes you're probably escape yeah you're probably just using more sets of pathways that you perhaps aren't using in your your particular um, job or Oh, in your home life it's engaging it's a whole brain activity and I think that's what's um, special about it mm. and a lot of neuroscientists recognise that that there's this kind of special power with music in that it is a whole brain activity and we are getting a lot better with uh, mapping the brain mm-hmm. which is exciting in the last sort of 20 years I'd say which is why I'm excited to do a course where in in real life changes are happening Mm -hmm. and exciting information is coming forward um but in terms of all the functionality of the brain we're not quite there yet and that's i think those are the next exciting developments with the brain and especially with music and its impact on the brain and then singing being an expressive force for good so yeah my 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 toolkit would be uh, don't don't dismiss your voice because your voice is inextricably linked to your identity for a lot of people. Yeah. We've grown up with sometimes not the best messaging and in some way kind of blameless. We tell children to shut up, be quiet, silent. There's an expectation, isn't there? And sometimes for some children that's kind of communicated as shut it down, shut down that voice, yeah. don't express yourself, don't be, don't too loud. be loud, don't be loud, yeah, don't yeah. be energetic, I always talk about use more energy, so I sort of personally take volume out of the equation, mm. which can often help with not overworking um, the voice, but yeah, I, I think, think there's a lot yeah. of people actually, just picking up on what you're saying there, that 
you know, when you talk about singing or making noises outside of, you know, regular speech, they will sort of retract from that because they mm. don't like their own voice. They don't like to hear themselves in those situations. What would you say to people if they're listening and think, well, you know, I can't access this because I sound awful? Yeah, there is there is an argument that we... Um, as, well, it's an argument, it's a hypothesis, and it, I think there is some truth in it when you think about where our ears are placed and the fact we're not essentially... We're not essentially meant to be... Um, listening to ourselves our mm. anatomy is designed to hear uh, listen out for um, uh, alert responses warnings signals mm. of I'm, I mean again I'm using that kind of evolutionary model so there is an argument that we're, we're not necessarily designed to be enjoying the sounds of <laughs> our own voice and that it is it is an alien thing yeah. because really we're supposed to be receiving signals about the impending tribe that are coming to mm. you know grab our fish yeah. <laughs> those pesky sorry, tribes vegetarians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry vegetarians it could be berries it could yeah. be berries but um, <laughs> but um it is yeah that's quite a normal phenomena as well okay. and a lot of um high level recording artists will sing their songs and we're talking about really accomplished musicians i heard that dusty springfield had this couldn't listen to herself wow. couldn't cope with i know remarkable beautiful technical vocalist and and also with singers you know motive a really motive Huge, singer yeah and but would not be in that editing suite and i that's kind of quite a common thing so if you feel like that about your voice you're not you're not unusual. In fact, I think you're responding to quite normal biological, yeah. <laughs> innate impulses, evolutionary impulses, if you like. Which is but really also, reassuring. Yeah, but also know that a lot of um, professional singers won't won't be listening to themselves per se. That's not to say you can't desensitise or you can't um, find a work around that. And mm. I'm really careful to talk in, in kind of um, blanket terms because... Uh, it's not uh, some things are not true for everyone no it's a very individual process yeah, it is. very individual and so in practical terms yeah. then if you know we think about how we harness our voice to improve our own emotional and mental well-being what practically could people do to to access that if they're feeling a little bit nervous or they're new to all of this and they really do want to do something to support their mental health and yeah. use their voice i mean firstly use your voice and i i'm i say this a lot um if you wouldn't say it to a small child don't say it to yourself and i think we could learn a lot from that in yeah, life we really all those messages let's just stop doing that mm -hmm. Think about your authentic voice. Don't think about what you need to sound like. And sometimes if you're starting from scratch, think about how you would sing to a child and not do I need to sound like X, Y, mm. whoever. Find a resonant space. Find somewhere nice that you want to sing that perhaps you feel uninhibited. So that might be a lovely bathroom. It might be a corner of a random cave that you might have <laughs> wandered into. <laughs> yeah. It might be a corner in your living room that you sink into and you get um, a response back that you do like or you like the feeling that you make when you fill the space with resonant mm. sound. You might like the sensation more than you like listening to yourself and I think that's a good starting point. 
um, and sing music you enjoy. Do stuff you you enjoy. Within that, that caveat is a caveat. Sorry, is is achievable is often enjoyable. So have that kind of in your mind. Think about warming up your voice and you would do this with any speech exercise as well so Mm. you um, might not start with a big like meatloaf belter because you might struggle because what you have when you sing is a set of musculature that um, is if you like you can it's akin to doing a workout like a any sort of um, sports person so think of it in terms of sport that you want to start with things that are maybe small and achievable and then build it up and that's when you would see a vocal coach or a singing coach you would be given technical pointers they would be checking over to see that what you were doing was healthy a lot of singing styles are about different shapes um, within your vocal tract it's also about breath management so you become essentially a wizard at um, generating breath pressures for different sounds and what's nice for singing I think this is why it is a kind of anxiety reliever is there's um there's a lovely um it's called what's it called a sifal it's the sifal breath I think if you look it's a guy called Andrew Huberman Huberman (laughs) and he's a neuroscientist in um America Mm -hmm. America and he talks about one of his um, tools he uses, which he feels like is is one of these instant anxiety fixes. I say he feels it's it's he's proving it, mm. and he's proven it with a study. Is that you take two inhalations in, so you you'd fill your lungs through your nose, then you do a quick, short, sharp breath, and then you do a sifal, really long breath via your mouth exhalation yeah and the idea is that just instantly triggers regulates that autonomic rest and digest um elements in your system so that's a breath in through the nose feel yeah it's really true because i've tried this but i'm very fortunate and i'm not someone who i don't suffer with anxiety Mm. um in my general landscape I've had anxious spikes and I relate to it and after we had um, our baby was premature and I had a, uh, I would say there was a block of time where I definitely understood what it was to be anxious and then that dissipated as the baby got older mm. and got stronger and wasn't in this kind of premature period where you just were feeling the vulnerability all the time all yeah. the time constantly and you know his his peers were going back to hospital because they were they were in the world and getting meningitis and these were big words you Mm. know to be around so that was definitely a time when I understood what um, that irrational rational place because I sometimes think anxiety is actually rooted in quite quite rational things actually but it's that it becomes unmanageable or it Mm. becomes overwhelming and that's where I've touched that so although I don't I wouldn't say that's something I have generally I do think this is useful if you do have little spikes and I think anything around um, breath management is kind of good for your well-being regardless and this is where it fits in with singing is that actually what we're doing is an inhalation and then we're we're doing a steady control of the exhalation which is what I see in this kind of in this 
breathing tool. This is the mirror idea that I see in it is actually singers do that all the time. We're doing steady exhalations and in that we're as we're singing we are regulating our system yeah we're regulating that heart rate um and i think that's something again that is there's a wonderful accessibility about that because anybody who's listening to this today could give that breathing a go yes just to see how it makes oh, them absolutely. feel absolutely you know, absolutely there's no sort of you don't have to have any experience or anything like that. just give it a go and see how it makes you feel and while you were speaking then this is a, a personal question actually mm. where does humming fit into this because I suffer from sensory overwhelm mm. and so I can very easily become overwhelmed by light and sound and things like that from external um, sources where I, it will, I will physically feel pain from that mm. but I have found humming will regulate how I feel and start to re release that pain until it reduces right down and it's quite a loud humming so I don't know if that connects in with the voice of the sound that I'm making yeah. in there that resonates and reverberates Is it that... might be about frequencies that are, yeah. um, that you're hitting mm. I wonder if it'd be interesting what do you know what pitch that you're doing the humming at is it's, it low or is it high? Is it mid? It's it's a kind of, I would say it, it's mid, but it's quite loud. Yeah. So like other people can hear me doing it, and I I'm not really bothered about that now. In the and I hope the, you're doing that in Costa. Yeah. Oh, I I absolutely <laughs> would. But it works, and it really works. It's that noise of just like going that constant sort of pulse of my own sound. Yeah, the pulse thing's interesting because it it's I suppose you're going to a more um, that idea of a drone and a um, and uh, something that's pulsing again, quite something like drumming. Low sounds you see are quite um, positive, have quite okay. positive um, frequency effects on us. I, it's interesting with the humming because also what you're doing when you're humming is you're again you're sustaining um, a sound um, and you're having to control the breath pressure. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're having yeah. to kind of sustain a breath. So in a way, you're steadying your breathing mm -hmm. because you would need to if you try and sing on... An, if you see a small child singing and they're anxious or they're crying, you, you can't do you it. You can't... Yeah, you can't literally um, adduct your vocal folds. It's it's impossible. But, um, yeah, I wonder if it's it's about your own kind of... I wonder if it's also your brain is because listening to music and singing music is whole brain activity so mm. I wonder if it's a way of you just engaging the pathways you need to engage to regulate your system um, I, I don't know that's fascinating I could I could look up some studies yes. about go um, and look in your well, resource yeah. in your, your special <laughs> yes, library okay. okay find someone do you <laughs> know about this humming but, woman do you know as well Fliss there will be someone who has absolutely done a humming study and it'd probably be something like yogic um yoga oh, breathing yeah. it'd be in that area it'd be in yeah. that and chanting mm. which again i think is something that's quite um spiritual for people but there'll be a there'll be a kind of a regulatory yeah component to there. making that sound i really want to ask because we're both parents to younger children and 
post-COVID world, we know that things have been quite difficult and children's mental health is starting to get the attention it's needed for a long time. I mean, there's a long way to go, but at least it's being talked about now. Yeah. So I would love to know if if we were to talk about using our voice to support our mental health, but we wanted to talk to our children about it. Yeah. How could you, you know, explain how how to sort of deliver this information to to a smaller child? Yeah. Um. So it's interesting actually because I think it's it, it's post COVID especially you've had this massive pandemic, this massive paradigm shift in culture, and we've we've learnt stuff, haven't we? And we're having more conversations. And mm. I, I'm always one to I'm a natural optimist, fortunately. So I'm always one right. What what are the the what are the positive takeaways well firstly we don't manage that well in isolation really generally again there will be some people who went this that was the best time (laughs) what (laughs) a great time (laughs) yes some people obviously Mm. because it's going to be a different experience for everyone um so you lost your choirs you lost your groups your orchestras your string ensembles your bands you're coming together even just making and mucking about with each other Mm. experimenting improvising um so uh, firstly exposure is important but i think i'm coming back to this idea of modeling model your voice Mm. model your voice and like any achievement with a small child if they're starting a football class or a gym class or uh, uh art whatever it is it's great we don't talk in negative terms we don't say well that was that was a bit crap what you did I mean you could (laughs) there might be there'll be a hefty (laughs) there'll be a hefty counselling bill in the future but you you get my point start by um, exposure one thing that the studies pick up is active participation those active singing classes for those babies and those toddlers really little ones Mm. so preschool they are great and they are cognitively nourishing and it's and it works it doesn't mean you can't throw some music on at home and just passively expose your kids to music that's great that's the tapestry that's the culture yeah. that they grow up but music for little ones is maths it's language it's socialization it's how we navigate teamwork it's a really all-encompassing thing and does it matter if you're into Mozart or Meatloaf or no, Madonna? Or... I don't think so, no. Yeah. Or I anyone mean, not beginning with well, them? Well, dep- you know, it depends. It depends what your criteria is. I think for children, show a joy of something. And yeah. we often pass our joys to our kids, don't we? And they either despise them or they completely mm-hmm. they cloak them, don't they? Um, there's, uh, there's studies that say you should... Uh, for for sort of n- neural kind of optim optimization, um, you should um, listen. You should study to silence. Um, however, for some people, listening to instrumental music is quite helpful. Mm. Listening to things like there's brown noise, there's pink noise, there's white noise. Go and check it out. Wow. Yeah. I've only ever heard of white noise. <laughs> yeah. There's many. There's a whole <laughs> spectrum of colours. Oh. And do you know what's interesting? There'll be a frequency that you like that you can't even explain why you like it. Um, so go and YouTube that. The, the thing with little ones, going back to the point... I mean, you could put the noise on, but they're probably not going to respond. I'm just thinking of adults here. Um, however, some people like studying to um, to uh, their favourite album 
because they can zone out but often the argument is you've got a lot of language up in there so mm. anything with lyrics might not be conducive but um again nothing's blanket um however for little ones model model show mm. uh, a, a neutral positive enjoyment of something don't make kind of these throwaway comments about your own voice because children pick up on that and I think the thing with voices is it is about your identity and it's about expression and it is alright to say we might need a bit of quiet time now to recover of course I'm an adult and a a parent and I get it I totally get it but I think it's just a very subtle tweak Mm. in the message so think about think about actually what you'd like them to hear about themselves when you're talking about their singing so it's all right to say good try and and you know great effort amazing expression gorgeous emotion there oh god you're really applying yourself you're really thinking about that aren't you yeah and those things are wonderful because the thing about the voice and singing and your pitch perception is it can change and you it's, the thing about the brain is its plasticity for change yes. its capacity is uh, far more intense in the in those sort of formative years and that's why we do say throw everything at it if you look at um the world health organization and unicef they encourage this idea of singing with your kids of communicating with your children because you are you are literally wiring their brains and that's quite um, a privilege i think as a parent or as an adult or a teacher or someone that's in a leading um position Mm. that you can have this beautiful power over over little minds little brains that can leave them with a wondrous blueprint for life and a sense of of um being able to influence that i think is is a really that's a lovely thing but it doesn't mean just because they have this uh, this sensitive window of plasticity if you like you have a few throughout your life um it doesn't mean that it kind of just a trophies when you're an adult that plasticity continues so it's it is never never too late and i i that's the one thing that i've found quite reassuring over the last decade i would say realizing oh my god that weird those little weird um urban myths that just aren't aren't true and you believe them like we only use 10 percent of the brain not true not true at all don't worry about that it's weird we talked about this before didn't Mm -hmm, we it's like one mm -hmm. of those weird quotes that got yeah misconstrued taken out of context 100 years (laughs) and then (laughs) these these, but these beliefs happen these things happen you can't feel your diaphragm you can't control it in that respect you can't feel it like i can't feel my kidney in that (laughs) kind of graphic way but we've always talked about it and these beliefs we're shifting and changing because we have science at our disposal but you can sense like your extrinsic breathing muscles you can sense them you can see them doing their jobs and again you go to a vocal coach to help clear up maybe some of those ideas and talk about them and refine them yeah Um, if that's what you wish to do or go to a choir a decent choir leader will give you you know fabulous basic technique but also be a bit of a cheerleader for you and hold space for you to use your voice yeah um so as much as i'm completely getting off topic but as much as for children yeah (laughs) for children exposure active active music is cognitive nourishment definitely those studies show that 
so engaged in music in musical lessons or sessions or after school activities ace and also just be aware of your own modeling around music that yeah. you know for me keep it quite affirmative and, and I think that's a great thing because it's it's almost twofold actually. If you're if you're somebody listening who has children in their lives and you're trying to um, keep it affirmative and promote that positivity around their voice, you have to speak kindly about your own voice. And you yes. may have had a really bad relationship with it. Um, I grew up in the '90s, so you know that was a fun time for being too fat, thin, tall, short, loud, quiet, whatever it was, it was wrong. Um, and and so we've grown up to sort of self-depreciate, but that isn't helpful because, as you say, children will model. So yeah. if you want them to model and have a positive relationship, you've got to you've got to work with your own as well. So yes, you, you you're doing two things at once. Absolutely, it's symbiotic. And I think if you can't do positive do neutral start with neutral okay how would you sing to that baby and i don't think you have to have a baby to understand that dynamic you Mm -hmm. can imagine how do you sing to a small person Mm. and it's usually with no it's usually with just a very quiet mental landscape isn't it there's nothing in there there's no self-judgment there's no usually usually you're not really thinking you're kind of just going by rote you're starting with something that's achievable something simple Mm -hmm. there's no I mean you can sing Wagner but I mean (laughs) probably blow the head off (laughs) but um yeah that's yeah with children I think that's the key and you you i mean the 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 times i've loved is watching sort of primary school age children develop into the adults they've become and then they've gone to university and then they've come back because that's how long i've been and it's been um wow magical to yeah. watch their journey and to see what singing imbued in them in their confidence in their um sense of themselves their well-being it's like a little kind of like a force field sometimes I think and um, yeah that doesn't have to stop I mean having said that I had um, I had an older student she won't mind because she's a total legend she was <laughs> in her late 60s when she came to see me I had her for 10 years and she That's was amazing. Uh, really amazing she was and is an amazing amazing human being and she um, she was uh, doing jazz gigs she was seen because she'd got all this knowledge from exposure to lots of jazz music Mm. throughout a a lifetime and I mean 60s isn't old by any means but she um, had all this sort of stored information that when she came it was a matter of refining technique and her voice was there because she could emulate all these sounds that she'd heard and she was yeah she was gigging and it's that's just it just shows you don't I think especially with anything with voice don't dismiss it don't dismiss anything this isn't even a voice thing actually now we're just about it let me tell you (laughs) don't your brain has this remarkable way of rewiring it's this plasticity that we understand about it now means we can learn new things um and yes it might be challenging but they're not beyond us and you can keep those pathways healthy by use and maintenance um, and knowing that as an adult has been it's been quite um, a joyful thing as yeah. I age I think I'm a bit more excited about what else I might be able to acquire instead of this feeling I've had 
that somehow we just become more and more decrepit and yes we're, you know we're past just, that point yeah, yeah yeah it's not actually accurate no it um, isn't and we talk a lot in society now i find about self-care yeah. which is a great thing it, i think it's becoming a little bit sort of commercialized which yes, i it don't is. like but what i'm hearing from this conversation is that this is a cost-free easily accessible little bit of self-care that you can do anywhere and everywhere that you want to yeah. so if you're feeling down or stressed at the end of the day or if you wake up and you don't have much energy you could do something with your breathing with your voice and it has the potential to lift you to that place that you want to be at yeah and and you don't have to go out and spend a lot of money and it doesn't have to be bubble baths and hot chocolates you know it it, it can be this very it can practical be that alongside yeah i mean if, any, if anyone wants to do that yeah. you know offer that up to me i am all there for it but um yeah i think it's great because people are in different situations to give yeah. people these completely accessible tools absolutely and singing especially post-covid which is interesting is um and it, we've always been aware of that as as voice practitioners but it's about lung health you mm. can keep good lung health if you have um maybe you have a condition like copd and joining a choir is going to be uh, exceptionally good for maintaining mm. your respiratory system and again these little dopamine fixes you get these little byproducts from doing that activity mm. you get socialization you get the glue of people that you know turns out we we work better yeah i think generally speaking yeah we um, do in amongst each other but um yeah the the post-covid world means there's a big singing for lung health movement i've done work in that field and it's again it was quantifiable we mm -hmm. changed some lungs from singing okay. which we <laughs> You haven't bought any along today. No, I've, no, no. I've lost a bit too. I've had a day off. Oh, I don't bring them out anymore. But isn't that wonderful that you can yes. physically, there are actually, actually changes. You can keep strong if you're an asthmatic, for example. Singing mm. can be really good at this um, regulating your breathing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, someone like me, what I tend to do, yes, you can do um, very formal education, so you can do exams, and now singing exams count towards your UCAS points if you want to go down that uni line. Mm. They're actually a little bit more widely recognised, which is great, because as you get further up the uh, singing exam scale, the the criteria becomes more challenging and difficult, not just what you're singing, but maybe your musical knowledge, your theory, but there's lots of frameworks you can work within yeah. that, but it is acknowledged in an academic sense, so I've done that with um, children and adults actually, um, and that's where you might come to me for something regular, but also for, um, for physio, um, I've done sessions for people where it is absolutely about well-being and mental health and actually just very much about what is your agenda for today what do you need to know let's make sure you what you're doing is healthy let's mm -hmm. just keep a check yeah. on that but what do you need to do with your voice today and then I've had people where I've said just come and see me once you know here's a bunch of repertoire here's a bunch of work go away let's work you go and work on that I'll see you every six weeks yeah. and that's that's I mean that's how you earn a living or you take a choir or you give um, a workshop I've done community workshops and they've 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 been ace again yeah. often the criteria is very different it really there's a real understanding I think in the community 
uh, choir world that singing is excellent for well-being and mental health and regulating themselves which is again quantifiable fact we know that but it's recognized as that and it's agenda and objective is solely that that we're not too worried about necessarily always performing or or getting um exquisite technical prowess We've, Mm. we've come to sing so that we you know back to the tribe we've come to sing and be around the fire yeah. and communicate and connect and I, I love that um, but yeah those are some of the things I do in the voice world and I'm always keen to make things affordable for people but I you know know that on a basic level you can do that for yourself and if you feel that you are not in a place to sing I've seen that then mm. listen to the music listen to the music just expose yourself to yeah that listen music. and it is it is actually it is kind of it is obvious stuff um with the music it is yes relaxing music will slow the heart mm-hmm. rate down music above um sort of 140 beats per minute bpm that's mm. the stuff that will drive you up and and egg you on and motivate you and you can do that alongside exercise if that works for you but you can do it before you're about to do something as well and it feels it feels a bit like wow get you ready for that explosive well yeah well i know i'm gonna go to like (laughs) that just thinking before you do your ted talk yes before i do my ted talk yeah put your put your high energy music on Mm. but you know you could take that into a domestic setting couldn't you yeah if you're struggling to get out of the house put, or to move from the spot you're in, shake it up with something. Something small mm. can connect a chain of reactions, can't it, in your system? And it's always, I think, about finding an inroad. So we know things like getting outside for 10 minutes is useful. Well, listening to, to music for nine, 10 minutes also yeah. has its own power if you cannot be outside um it's worth a try isn't it and i think it is and again, it's those incremental changes yes. just doing something a little bit each day yeah you know you're always moving the needle forwards and in that moment you might not think oh, I, I didn't see a great change but if you do something each day over time you're building you're working with that neuroplasticity and you will feel the difference absolutely yeah. so i again anything i think anything that is um cost effective mm-hmm. is is worth a try but know that science backs it yeah science actually can quantify it which is the exciting thing um and i know just anecdotally just for myself if i you know getting lost in a, a really good album that reminds you of i don't know times when you had adventures or maybe when you were a new parent you remember something that was playing all the time or something from your childhood that just makes you feel that that buzz of adolescence yeah. Yeah. we we all have we all have those memories and feelings and uh, emotions attached to to music in our in our own sort of cultural templates yeah. so use it 
I sing and dance in the supermarkets when they have the music on because that's what I used to do when I was growing up with my best friend. My kids are absolutely mortified. mortified. Yeah. Well, that's the. I think that's the role of becoming a parent yeah. is to kind of. Oh yeah, I just shame get your louder, basically, yeah. and the moves get bigger. No, it's become like a little target of mine. I wonder why. <laughs> Try it next time you're in co-op. Can I just... embarrass this five-year-old? I think I, I'm I getting think there. I think I can. Yeah. I think I am getting there. I think but yeah, that's that's a it's a good way to to use is. your voice. It is, and I, you know, there's this this is what I find really interesting. There's a real there's a thing in you get a little dopamine release when you feel physical pain. And apparently, this I'm sure I was listening to this the other day on a, another sciencey podcast, and you get the same thing with um, emotional pain, with mental pain, mm. which makes me think. And I, I'm, there'll be there'll be scientists doing what they need to do, but that uh, about this topic, but that you know, I think when we listen to sad music, and again, I don't think this is for everybody. But there's this catharsis that happens mm. if you are grieving or if you are uh, dealing with loss in whatever format that is, because that can look like many things, can't it, for different people? Yes. That you are, um, that you use uh, sad music as a kind of a processing mm-hmm. tool, and it, and that kind of works for people as well. Yeah. Um, and I know personally, I, I'm definitely drawn to melancholic sounds and when I've been in the studio teaching I notice a lot of singers really a lot of uh, singers will gravitate towards those torch songs and I do wonder there is the catharsis thing but I think it is I think we just have these little dopamine spikes that Mm. we get from singing those songs or singing that music um that is the the payoff the the kind of reason Um, hopefully we're not addicted but um, (laughs) that's for another podcast yes yes um but sarah thank you so much for you know all your valuable experience your insight and inspiration um i definitely feel empowered to use my voice more and i'm really excited to see um the benefits playing out and i know that um people listening today will also be able to take something away Um, if you do want to see more of Sarah's work and believe me you absolutely do you should check out her website which is sarahdalemusic.com or you can follow her on Instagram at sarahdalemusician and of course if you want to work in a fully supported way on your emotional well-being head over to codesignwithfliss.com and we can talk more about the empowerment that you deserve well that's it for this week thank you for listening now we know more about our voice and now we know the way forward Thank you.